Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Needs Some Introduction. In today's episode, the finale of season three of The Boys, the instant white hot wild, which I'm pretty sure is not referenced in this episode. I like to look at these titles and think of some thematic clue in them. And my experience is that's kind of wasted time with The Boys. A bonus episode this weekend, I will be recording with my sister a recap of the first two episodes of Blackbird on Apple TV+. I've already watched these episodes, and they are really excellent. A psychological thriller about a serial killer based on a true story and brought to TV, developed and written by Dennis Lehane, the author of Mystic River, Shutter Island, Gone Baby Gone, and many other novels. And so far, truly excellent work. Ray Liotta, I believe his last appearance on screen, excellent work in a small role. I won't go into the review much here, but these actors are all performing at incredibly high level, and the writing's very strong as well. In that same episode, I'll also be discussing the two most recent episodes of The Old Man, a show that very interestingly I want to talk about because after being so excited for the beginning of those episodes of this first season, and it has been picked up for a second... I thought last week's episode was pretty disastrous, and I'll get into details of that in that episode. Although I haven't seen the most recent episode, so maybe it will correct, and it is approaching the end. We only have two more episodes there, so we'll see if it can course correct, but boy, what an episode, what a disaster in that previous episode. Also, do check out the episode earlier this week. Not only did we cover Only Murders in the Building, but we also discussed The Bear, a really excellent show on Hulu, if you haven't watched it, a very quick binge about inner workings of a family restaurant. And it's really thrilling. This is like being shot out of a cannon. Working in the kitchen is just incredibly stressful, as we know anecdotally, or from like Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential, just for example, for one example in pop culture of the crazy backstage of restaurant life. And this kind of puts you, it puts you in that world, but it's more than that. It really is about family trauma and these characters who learn to love each other, maybe in spite of themselves. So check that out. Check out that show and check out our review earlier this week. And finally, on Monday or Tuesday, I believe Tuesday afternoon, expect to see Sona and I will be discussing the return of Better Call Saul, an episode that I have not seen, but I hear is truly, truly thrilling. And uh, we will be covering all of that beginning next week. And we will continue to cover Blackbird in the subsequent weeks. Better Call Saul, of course, is available on AMC if you're listening to us in the UK. And I know we have a lot of followers there. Well, you'll be watching that on Netflix. Lucky you. We have to watch it on AMC, on our cable boxes, or on AMC Plus if you happen to have a subscription to that. Set your DVRs if you're catching it on cable. And of course, the episodes are available for a limited time after they air on TV on AMC. Not AMC Plus, but the free AMC app. Another way you can catch it there as well. Of course, subscribe so you know when all that content is available. We always look forward to your feedback, so reach out to us, needssomeintroduction at gmail.com. If you'd like to email us or if you'd like to include your commentary on the show, just let us know and we'll read your letters on the air or answer your questions. And before I get into the episode breakdown, one last thing is that I saw the Thor Love and Thunder movie and I have some comments that I will not spoil anything yet. I will probably be having a full spoiler conversation with Nick and or Ray next week once they've seen the movie. So I'll give you my spoiler-free review right now. But do stick around after this episode, if you have seen the movie, to get some very mild spoilers about the structure of the film. I'm not going to spoil any plot details. Most people obviously have not had a chance to see this film. But if you do want to hear me talk about that, I will not include it here. 
my nitpicks about the actual problems I have with the structure of the film. Hang in there. I'm putting it at the end of the episode purely because some people who want to go in cold, truly cold, may not want to hear any general criticism. My general review is that I enjoyed this. I actually did enjoy this as a non-fan of the Thor films, by the way. I like Chris Helmsworth in this role, but I did not like the first Thor movie years and years and years ago. I did not like the second Thor movie at all. I put it very much near the bottom of the list of all MCU films. And then a huge reversal for me. I loved Thor Ragnarok. It is very much near the very top of my rankings of the MCU films. And I think a lot of it was just the shock of it. This candy-colored, surprising recontextualization of Thor. And I thought that film was just such a success. It has these chapters where you have this very goofy elements. You have really great character work, the relationship between Thor and Valkyrie, of course, Hulk as well there for comedy, but also for some pathos. And then, of course, a very strong, I thought, a very strong finale with a strong villain and some actual real stakes. And what I would say is, given all that, I liked this as a sequel to Ragnarok. I like the continuation. We have the same director once again, Taika Waititi, and a lot of the same style. As I was watching the film, I was entertained throughout. I found the comedy was working. I thought the plot was developing at a reasonable pace. I thought the villain was strong. And I was fine with the finale. It gave me enough of an emotional payoff in its conclusion for me to give the film a thumbs up. I do not think it was as successful as, for example, Into the Multiverse of Madness, this Doctor Strange film. So take that as you will, because I know a lot of people don't like that film. I did like that. And I have some of the same criticisms of both of these films, by the way. I feel like the Marvel machine and the creators behind the camera are at odds with each other in these two films more so than I've seen in many others. So I feel like the MCU is trying to allow these authors to have more of a strong hand in deciding the tone of the film. But then there's so much work that needs to be done to set up the MCU from film to film. And I feel they're butting heads more so than I've seen in the past. But in very general terms, I enjoy this probably approximately as much as I did Multiverse of Madness, which is a decent but not enthusiastic thumbs up. Maybe a 7 out of 10 for both of these films, which is a step down from Ragnarok, which I thought was much stronger. I'd give that like an 8, 8.5 maybe out of 10, but stronger than the first two Thor movies, which I would give 5s, maybe a 4 for the second one, The Dark World. And I'll go into more detail as to where I think they kind of missed the mark. But for now, in general terms, entertaining while I was watching it. Too much of some ingredients, too little of others. And honestly, I didn't even feel it in the moment. But afterwards, reflecting on it, there's a real sense that there is an unresolved duality in the film. And really no reason for it. They spend so much money on these films. They spend so much time. They literally bake in a three-month reshoot schedule into its production. That's always assumed that they're going to restructure the story. And given all that... I think they really should have fixed many things here in the storyline, but mildly entertaining as is. And I'll get into a more detailed criticism at the end of this episode. Or tune in next week, and I'll be having a full spoiler conversation with a co-host. So on to the recap of this season finale of The Boys. I've been a pretty big fan of The Boys this season. I really felt like this is probably the best version of the show we've seen so far, but I have my frustrations. 
and I'll get into those at the end of the episode. We begin, and of course, I was so confused, I did not know what was Victoria's quid pro quo with Homelander last week. And we find out in the opening moments of this episode, it is the location of Ryan. Homelander shows up, Grace freaks out. He does not kill her. He leaves Ryan there. Guess does he doesn't has enough sense to not want to traumatize him unnecessarily at this point. She is his parental figure. Listen, Ryan, your mom, she wanted what's best for you. And so do I. You have a real family. But aren't you mad at me? For what I did? You know it wasn't your fault, right? Son, when you're as strong as we are, accidents happen, things break, and sometimes they are the things that you love the most. But, but that's all it is, an accident. And nobody on this earth knows that better than me. Nobody. That's why I'm always gonna love you. No matter what happens, no matter what you do, I'm not going anywhere. I will always be here. And this is actually touching. You see here maybe what they're setting up for season four, where Homelander, having a family and seeing himself as a dad, maybe wants to be a better man. He's got a long way to go, though. Meanwhile, Starlight's video has gone viral, as you would expect. And we see there are still Homelander truthers, pot committed to their version of reality. And once again, this is obviously directly correlating to our modern political climate. But there are protests in front of the Vought building, and they want Maeve released. And this sets up, stupidly, on the part of Vought and the powers that be, that they allow her to escape. They gas her, and she either comes to from the gas, or they she's playing possum, I'm not actually sure it's not clear, and allows herself to be abducted, then of course to awaken in the back of this van, kill everybody on board, and make her escape. Meanwhile, back at the detective offices, Huey's brain continues to ooze out of his nose and ears. And Soldier Boy is starting to second guess his own mission. Is he really going to go and kill his own son? A biological son, if not a familial one. Meanwhile, separately, Frenchie has concocted Novacek. And now it might be time to try to track down Soldier Boy and knock him out. MM, for his part, is still reflecting on punching out Todd last week and this potential trauma that he's imposing on his daughter. This is all thematically interesting, by the way. We see now scene after scene after scene about this idea of being a bad parent or traumatizing your child in the effort to protect them in some way. And then we have that open question of Ryan, who is the father he's going to pick? Is it going to be Butcher? Is it going to be his biological dad? And what the impact of that will be? Noir returns to Vought and he reconciles with Homelander for the moment. He does have his cartoon characters as backup. Vought's stock price has crashed after Starlight's video leaked. And this is all weighing on Homelander. Homelander's really at the end of his rope. He feels like he has no allies anymore. And honestly, that's the problem with being a brutal dictator. No one's actually on your side. <laughs> Butcher originally plans to head out with Huey and Soldier Boy. And the initial plan includes Huey teleporting them into the building. But it turns out that Butcher does the right thing. He does mention to Huey, by the way, once again, that he's a spitting image of his younger brother, Lenny, who was able to rein in his worst instincts, and he uses Huey the same way. 
but actually at a rest stop, Butcher knocks out Huey and leaves him behind. This does complicate their infiltration of Vought, however. Huey reaches out to Starlight so they get to spend some time together, and she does come and help him up, help him out. She finally tells him about the Temp V, and he realizes that Butcher was actually trying to protect him, and they begin to patch up their relationship as well. In the midst of all this, we also find out that A-Train has reunited with his brother, and his brother basically is done with A-Train. He just doesn't want him around anymore, and for good reason. Every time his brother tries to quote-unquote help, he only makes things worse. And this really does feel, at least temporarily, an end to their relationship. Maeve, of course, knows where Butcher holds up, and we suddenly see this temporary configuration of this team, Maeve, Starlight, Huey, Frenchie, and Kamiko, plus M.M. It's interesting that Soldier Boy, at least temporarily, is iced in this episode, and we'll get around to how, because we do do a good job of fleshing out his biography here. And I especially like this segment where he's talking to Butcher about their dads. You ever see the Soldier Boy's story? Must have missed it. It's a classic. We lost Best Picture to American in Paris that year. About a poor kid from the streets of South Philly discovers he's got incredible powers to match his heart of gold. It's all bullshit. Blimey, you thought so. Actually, my father owned half the steel mills in the state. I went to boarding school. Got kicked out of boarding school because I was a fuck-up. But he made sure I knew it. He used a belt, did he? Never laid a hand on me. He couldn't be bothered. He said I was a disappointment. Not good enough to carry his name. So I went to his golf buddies in the war department, and they got me into Dr. Vought's compound V trials. I became a superhero. Strongest man alive, fucking ticker tape parades when I came home. And what did the old man say then? Ah. He said I took a shortcut. That a real man wouldn't have cheated. Once again, these bad dads haunting these men in this show. Noir and Homelander have one more conversation, which turns into a confrontation, if you can even call it that. Homelander lets Noir know that he can see everything that's happening under his mask. He knows when he's lying to him, even under his scars. So when he finally asks him, did he know that Soldier Boy was his father this whole entire time? And when Noir acknowledges that he did indeed know, he gets disemboweled by Homelander. But I have a feeling, given the damage that he has already taken in the past, this is not actually going to kill Noir. I think Noir will come back in some version. And they're obviously keeping the door open here. They could kill him off. They could not, depending on what they decide to do next season. Suddenly, everybody is at Butcher's office as Butcher and Soldier Boy arrive. But we have yet another reconfiguration here of the crew. Maeve throws out the Novacek and sides with Butcher and Soldier Boy because for her, getting rid of Homelander is that important. The rest of the crew has to go into the safe and Butcher, of course, smartly turns off the power to disarm Starlight. Homelander confronts the remainder of the seven along with acting CEO Ashley. Turns out Ashley's been dealing with her stress by pulling out much, much of her hair. We find out here that she's been wearing a wig. He also mentions to them that he's disposed of Noir. Once again, I think Noir's coming back. He asked the Deep for a favor, and now we finally understand what the quid pro quo was with Victoria. The Deep goes and kills the VP pick. And by the end of the episode, of course, we find out, this is the stinger in the episode itself, but it's pretty clear even at this moment, that she's going to become the VP pick. One step away from the presidency. 
the gang is able to bust out of the safe. I'm not sure how. I assume it's Kimiko and Starlight using their superpowers in combination to pop that door open. And Frenchie mentions, hey, there's one place I probably can get all the supplies I need to make some more Novacek. And that's inside the Vought building, which is where they're going anyway. But this is a pretty crazy plan. You're joking. We're going to break in the Vought Tower while you go to the lab crawling with armed guards. And you're going to cook up the world's most dangerous neurotoxin with what? Little Moxie and a little Mr. Wizard know-how? While we hold off Homelander and Soldier Boy. Uh, we? It's good enough for me. Me too. As they're prepping for the mission, Huey does pick up one last vial of Tempfi, just in case he needs it. We finally arrive at Vought Tower. Butcher and Soldier Boy confront Homelander all by himself. And Homelander tries to be reasonable. He makes a pitch to his dad that they can finally be a family. This is my son, Ryan, your grandson. Hi, Grandpa. You see, you have a family. You have him. And you have me. I've missed so much. I wish I could have raised you and taught you father to son. Oh, you do. But it's okay. We're not alone anymore. We have each other. Maybe if I'd raised you, I could have made you better. And not some weak sniveling pussy starved for attention but there's no fixing that now weak um you i know you're a fucking disappointment once again kudos to anthony Starr's homelander the only reason this show works at all with such an utterly despicable antagonist who continuously wins by the way is that he is so utterly pathetic at the same time and kudos to this actor for being able to pull off this nearly impossible task and it's really the only reason the show continues to work and this family reunion gets even trickier when ryan walks in the door and now soldier boy has to decide is he going to keep his promise to butcher the guy who freed him the guy who they've bonded over some of their shared biography or to this usurper the reason, the very reason why he was decommissioned in the first place. Yet, simultaneously, his son, and not only his son, his grandson now too. And somewhat surprisingly here, he makes the choice to try to take down Homelander. And there's a lot to unpack here. This is pretty interesting stuff. Once again, credit to the actors for trying to make this material work and adding some interesting psychology to all of this. But for him to want to take down his own son, even someone he didn't know, but the idea I mean, theoretically, these two super-powered beings can run off together. They can rule the world, honestly. But he probably deep down inside knows that his son is a piece of shit, basically. Homelander is truly a piece of shit, irredeemable probably. And that's probably because he feels that way about himself as well. And rather than seeing the grandson as something that motivates him to keep pursuing this intergenerational toxic family dynamic, he just wants to erase it. It's like a parent who sees their worst aspects in their children, perhaps. The whole finale here is pretty well staged. It's interesting that we see Maeve now 
fully raged out and nearly achieving Homelander-like power. And maybe Homelander still has some degree of passion for her and won't actually let himself 100% destroy her. Although, I don't know, he gives her those laser eyes a couple of times and she's able to block them with her bracelets. This Wonder Woman analogy, of course. He does gouge out one of her eyes, though, pretty gross. And she does punctuate his, hear- his eardrum, so I wonder if his hearing is, liter- is truly damaged at the end of here, if he'll somehow recover. Another interesting point I forgot to bring up earlier is that there is a pretty fascinating moment here where Soldier Boy basically is about to discharge on Homelander and Ryan simultaneously. But suddenly the configuration changes again, where Butcher and Homelander are fighting on the same side to protect Ryan. Now, I'm not sure if this is the correct choice, by the way, because perhaps it would have simply nullified the powers of both. But there's also the risk that he'll kill somebody and that somebody probably being Ryan. So I understand it, but (laughs) maybe worth taking the risk from purely practical terms, I'm saying. Not from an emotional perspective, but maybe worth taking the risk. And that's where we see, you know, the, the breakup of the team where everybody else is taking out Soldier Boy while Maeve and Homelander go mano a mano. Another interesting decision here is that we see that Huey has gone into the control room to announce to the, to, to the building that Soldier Boy is there and there's about to be a detonation and everybody needs to evacuate. So once again, Huey without superpower still turns out to be very useful. And one more time he's useful when he turns on the TV and he sees that Soldier Boy has the upper hand and he's about to take the V to try to teleport Starlight out of there and honestly leaving everybody else in the lurch at that point. But he suddenly decides instead to support her and he turns up all the power on the soundstage, which of course superpowers her enough to knock out temporarily Soldier Boy. With Soldier Boy temporarily knocked down, everybody jumps on top of him. They start to gas him and it looks like they finally have the upper hand, but he says, I'm not going back. And he starts to charge himself up. He's going to detonate and probably take out multiple floors in the building and anybody who's in any proximity to him. Maeve sees this happening and sacrifices herself and tackles Soldier Boy out of the window. And as he's plunging downwards, he detonates, takes out multiple floors of the tower. And for the moment, it looks like the battle is over. Butcher this whole entire time has been protecting Ryan physically, trying to block him from the potential detonation. But when Homelander reaches out his hand to him, he decides to go with his dad hand in hand. And that's where we leave things, the main action. In the final moments here, we find out that Maeve is not dead. She basically lost her powers and she's rehabbing with her girlfriend in their apartment. Starlight goes to visit them and they have a nice final scene together. The detonation, as I mentioned earlier, seemed to have just taken away her powers, but somehow she survived the fall. Eh, big question marks here, but I guess we just have to accept it. Soldier Boy's back on ice, as I mentioned near the top of this episode. We see Grace supervising the re-incarceration of Soldier Boy, who's been knocked out probably with the same gas yet again. We also find out that Butcher is dying. They've drained his brain of all of the excess goo, but they give him 12 to 18 months to live. Just in time for another season of The Boys. The remainder of The Boys, Sans Butcher, he hasn't arrived yet until the very last moments of the episode. They all tell Annie, Annie, you can give up your superhero persona, but you are now officially one of The Boys. And we close out on two very ominous events. We see Ryan and Homelander showing up at one of the pro-Homelander rallies and one of the left-wing after activists that happens to be there throws a rock and hits Ryan, to which Homelander decapitates him with his laser eyes. And Todd is there, as are all these other protesters, or supporters, I should say, in this case. 
and they start cheering. They love what they see. Killing libs is cool. Owning libs is cool. Killing libs is even better. And just as we cut away, we see Ryan's face. He's confused. What is he seeing here? And then a little smirk. He likes what he sees. And as I mentioned earlier, we find out that the next VP is going to be Victoria Newman, the head popper herself. I have to say my general criticism of this show, I think this season was the best written of all the seasons of the show. And simultaneously, I started to worry partway through that the show was maybe doing something, maybe the mandates of Amazon. This is their biggest hit. And maybe they want a lot more seasons of this because I'm starting to feel like there's not enough movement in the show because the show doesn't know how much longer it needs to run for. I, in general, have these kind of concerns when a show gets to a certain age, like maybe season four, maybe season five. And I really do feel with this season, this kind of resetting back to the norm yet again makes us really feel very much like a network television show that always has to kind of reset everything. You can almost skip a season because the next season is just, if you know the general dynamic of the characters, you're good to go. And by the way, you have a showrunner here, speaking of Soldier Boy, the actor here who, of course, starred in Supernatural for a decade over a decade. So, man, are we are we going to have 15 years of this show? <laughs> I hope not because I don't have that kind of patience. So I, I will definitely tune out before then if that's the case. Once again, I go back to the idea of the HBO television model, although Westworld may defy what I'm about to say, versus Showtime, where I really can't invest in a Showtime show. They often have great first seasons, whether that be Homela um, Homeland or Dexter, of course, the original flavor Dexter or even Weeds, which was good, and, and Shameless, by the way, which had a solid first season. I don't love Shameless the way some people do, but I thought it had a solid first season. And then they're like, okay, we can have nothing consequential happen from season to season because we need this thing to roll out for five, eight, 12 years. And you know, I quit on all those shows. I literally just quit on every single one of those shows I described. Where H HBO lets shows be as long as they need to be, they can be one season, they can be three seasons, they can be five seasons, six seasons. Like I said, Westworld is on right now, and I've given up on that. I gave it one episode. I'm like, okay, forget it. I'm not doing this again. So I'm not sure why that thing's still around. I mean, I guess it gets some buzz. I guess it gets decent ratings, I assume, because why else have that show on? I, I don't understand. And I do worry that we're going down that same rabbit hole of having seasons just to have them, because I'm starting to feel that here with this show as well. We need something significant to happen to change the dynamic of these characters, rather than repeating the same pattern over and over again. And there might be a point to that, right? Like, you know, history has its own cycles that constantly repeat. Maybe that's a broader point that they're trying to make, but that's not necessarily entertaining to watch, in my opinion. And I'll crystallize all of my concerns in one single point. I think that there's always a reason why you come back to a show. It could be a, cent a compelling central character. You want to see that character in different circumstances from week to week. It could be because you love a certain character. You worry that they're going to be killed off. They put them into these horrible situations and you're just terrified. Are they going to die this week or not? Are they going to kill them off this season or not? And you keep coming back to watch that. And what I have to say is that honestly, except for maybe Frenchie and Kamiko, which do seem to have a real emotional bond, and maybe this is a problem with the, the actors, but more I think it's a problem with the material. I really don't 
care that much about anyone else in this show. I primarily watch the show for the outlandish situations and the crazy kills and things like that and the, and the dark humor within that. But that can get tedious. I mean, how many times can you top yourself? At some points, you're just repeating yourself because you can't top yourself anymore. And I do feel that that show is getting to that point in that perspective. And I have no one to root for, but I have someone to root against. Another reason I watch this show is because I root against Homelander. And if you basically make it de facto that Homelander can never fall, we can't come up with any other dynamic in the show. Homelander always wins. And we always reset to that context season after season after season. I'm like, then why am I hanging around for? If I'm only there to root against Homelander and then you're just going to frustrate me in that regard, then why am I still watching? So my kind of negative reaction here at the end primarily is my own doing because once again, I am looking at the ingredients. I've been listening to these recaps. You know that I've said this multiple times before. Uh, interesting direction to take the show in would be that this pathetic Homelander who's aware of the fact that his only power comes from this these superpowers that were given to him, not of his own volition, and knows that being stripped of those powers makes him completely, utterly pathetic, makes him confront the absolutely pathetic, self-hating interior self. Seeing this excellent actor having to deal with that in the next season would be absolutely excellent if he had lost all his powers. And you kind of set the table with that, right? Like that is literally one of the things that Soldier Boy's powers are. And they didn't take the opportunity while they could. And by the way, they could have easily made Homelander supervillain again because V exists. They can just inject them again. I don't know why this is so easy in the show. That's another thing that bothers me. Temp V, people could just inject themselves and suddenly have superpowers. Everybody could have superpowers. And if you suddenly really, really wanted to, you can imagine Vought just selling V to millions of people. And then millions of people working together could absolutely take out Homelander, right? So the stakes are just so confused. And I also get annoyed with the fact that there's just so much convenience in the plotting that, for example, Homelander, this is a problem. It's a Superman problem. Once again, Homelander can like hear people talking hundreds of miles away, but somehow he doesn't know that Maeve is still alive. Like he won't be able to track her down someday. He won't be able to like find out exactly where Starlight is. And why doesn't he know where Starlight is when she's making these plans behind his back and stuff? He seems to know things conveniently that he couldn't possibly know unless he was like omnipotent. And then simultaneously, he suddenly is in the you know dark about something that he could easily find out, like where Ryan is. He could have found that out without Victoria giving him that information. So we continue to have the same problems where Homelander's too superpowered to have any vulnerabilities and they conveniently give him immeasurable power to prove the point that he is cannot be usurped so that 10 superheroes ganging up on him cannot defeat him but then conveniently he just somehow doesn't know someone's in the building when he should you know obviously know about it but he also knows that there's a meeting happening 150 miles away because he just sussed it out from a conversation he overheard or looked through a wall or something and saw some people talking so all of this is convenient plotting and it is starting to strain credibility i'm willing to forgive a lot of these logical inconsistencies when the payoff is clear and when there is some kind of explanation. Maybe he was stressed out. Maybe he was distracted by something else. Maybe they intentionally made him think one thing and then so he can't always trust what he believes is happening. But the show makes no effort to explain these things. And as some of these other credibility gaps continue to increase, it just makes me a little more critical of what I'm watching. So I am interested in seeing what happens next year. We have the Victoria thing. We have Ryan plus Homelander. Soldier Boy is still potentially a weapon they can use. They didn't kill him off, obviously. 
And maybe, maybe an interesting way to take this with this show's fixation on these father-son dynamics, does Homelander, as many parents often have to deal with, does Homelander start seeing Ryan's worst possible instincts come to light? And does Homelander start to realize, wait a second, am I doing this to the kid? And then does he have to become a better example for Ryan and in so doing, finally confront all his demons and all the wrongs that he's done? Can he actually become a better person? That's the question. And by the way, I think that is very interesting thematically. How many of us as parents confront these very decisions that we have to confront our own limitations when we see them in our children, that we have to make the best of a situation when we normally, when we were alone, would probably let things slide. But now suddenly we can't because we don't want to set that example for our kids. And the same thing, if we have all of our limitations, can we be better people to make them better people? So that is all very interesting stuff that can be explored in the next season. Now, is that what they're going to do? I don't know. We will see. And I am still interested to know what that is, but I would honestly say if next season gives us what we got this season, overall, I probably would give up on the show. But I do think there are seeds here that can bear fruit. Kids, get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dad bod to god bod. And after all that, he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? The old ex-girlfriend. What's it been like? Three, four years? <laughs> Eight years, seven months, and six days. Give or take. Am I uh, sensing feelings? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> the only ones who gods care about is themselves. So this is my vow. All gods will die. I just want to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. It's just my first bad guy. You never forget your first. Okay, so here is the minor spoiler-ish section of the Thor review that I was going to give you. Once again, I'm not going to spoil the plot, so if you don't mind getting general spoilers about like an opinion, if that makes sense, like really about the structure of the film, then listen in. Or, of course, if you've seen the, sh the movie, Otherwise, tune out and we'll have a full spoiler conversation next week so you can come back for that one. So what I'd say that I think in retrospect why this doesn't work as well as Ragnarok. First of all, I feel like there are all these riffs on Ragnarok. So we are suddenly winking at the camera and saying, hey guys, remember when Thor did this in Ragnarok? There doesn't seem to be enough for this film to be riffing on the previous film. Like it, it really does feel like one of those legacy sequels where a movie comes out 25 years later, 30 years later, and they suddenly go, hey, I know you guys seen that other movie on VHS or on DVD or on Netflix a hundred times. Let me make a joke about this film you watched 20 years ago. I mean, this previous film only came out a few years ago, so it doesn't seem like you should be having this kind of winking references to jokes from the previous film. 
like have new jokes is <laughs> basically what it comes down to. You don't have enough of a legacy to start riffing on old jokes when you have only a few films under your belt. And the next thing I would say is Natalie Portman in her action scenes, I thought are really well done. And she's definitely a good actress, but I don't really buy a lot of what they're trying to build here with the relationship. Some of these like romantic comedy type scenes I thought worked really well, but the emotional heft that the relationship between Thor and Jane, I don't think there's enough there to hang the emotional payoff here on her shoulders. And it's just strange. I felt she was so underserved as considering what a prestigious actress she is, so underserved in the previous Thor films. And here's an opportunity where you literally make her the mighty Thor. You give her these superpowers. And she seems even maybe more underserved here in the dramatic scenes. She does get to be great in those kick-ass action sequences. Terrific, great stuff. But man, I just don't see what they're trying to do with her character here. And it doesn't work for me. It's not enough. Speaking of not enough, you have Christian Bale. Once again, big name actor here playing a truly terrifying villain. And there's not enough here either. And I think that is as, as zippy as the first two thirds, I'd say, of this film are. I think that's where a lot of the criticism is going to come. You know, you put too much comedy in the film considering you have this very, very bleak ending, which I think works pretty well, by the way. But we just don't have enough emotional tie to this villain in a positive or negative way. And he's a really interesting character and a very good performance by Christian Bale. And yet there's just not enough of it. So once again, not enough Natalie Portman character building, not enough God Butcher, Christian Bale's character, Gore, the God Butcher, I believe his name is, not enough of character building for him as well. And this is where I mentioned that there seems to be so much tension in the film. You have the comedic elements, which Taika seems to be most comfortable with, the action scenes, which may be him, it may be a lot of, I mean, it feels very much boilerplate Marvel action, except for one very cool black and white sequence, which was probably inspired by Taika. But other than that black and white sequence, I think that most of the action is pretty de rigueur for Marvel, the, the look and feel of it. And although it's good, you know, the fight sequences are all pretty well executed. They're also pretty characterless. And I think that's the problem. You probably have these action sequences that are pre-visualized. They probably start doing the special effects years ahead of times for these sequences. Then you have Taika bringing in his sensibility to those more comedic elements. And then you have to make these two different films work together and you feel it. You feel these two different things working against each other. And already I've seen some negative reviews, although I've tried to avoid, avoid reviews for the most part. I have read a couple of headline reviews that basically mentioned the fact that there's too much comedy. It's too much comedy. And they're blaming him for this. And that's the other thing I don't I don't buy for a second. The MCU is built in a way to be able to shoot a film and then they bake into the process extensive reshooting after they kind of assemble the film and say, well, this doesn't really work. We have a missing scene. We need an extra scene here to help this character out. This is all baked into their process. So someone saw the earlier version of the film and decided to put more comedy in and less of the other stuff. Because I guarantee you there are more Jane scenes in there. I guarantee you there are more Christian Bale scenes there. And they were intentionally cut back. And I am pretty certain that Taika does not have final cut on any of these films. So somebody made this decision. Someone watched this edit of the film and said, this is the one that we're putting out. And uh, this is a film that, for example, could have a director's cut, which adds half an hour, which would probably be much, much better than this one. And maybe we will see that someday. So that's where I am with it. A lot of negative things I just said, but in the moment, it's actually very entertaining. I think it's very entertaining, but it could have been much, much better. And honestly, wouldn't require much, maybe a few extra scenes here and there. 
uh, and maybe trimming out a couple of the comedic scenes, and you end up with a movie that's about the same length and uh, probably much more successful at what it's trying to do. So that is my general impression. And as I mentioned, stay tuned next week. Expect to see a conversation where I get into spoilers for this film with a co-host. And yeah, there's one more episode to come this week, Blackbird, which I'll be covering with my sister on Apple TV+. Really excellent first two episodes. And I definitely have to have a conversation with her about what the heck is going on with the old man. (laughs) Such a promising show. And it's already been renewed for a second season. And now I'm a little bit sketchy as to whether they should have. But we will see how it goes. There's only two more episodes there as well. And stay tuned for all of that. And of course, Better Call Saul is coming back on Monday. I'll be watching it and giving you my beat-by-beat breakdown with Sona and a review as well. And I hear it's an amazing episode of television. So definitely looking forward to that. So I hope you enjoy all that content. Make sure you subscribe. And I'll talk to you soon. Very soon.